Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Senior Administrator here at the Hendricks Center. And today, we're going to be talking about building effective work pre- workplace relationships, particularly between supervisors and employees. And to help us talk through that, we're joined by Robert McFarland, who mm-hmm. has been with us before. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Robert is the president of Transformational Impact, which is a leadership mm-hmm. development company. And he's also the author of Dear Boss, What Your Employees Wish You Knew, mm-hmm. and Dear Employee, What Your Boss Wishes You Knew. <laughs> That's so, a mouthful, yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so he is uh, very qualified to help us talk through the employee supervisor relationship. Mm. And um, here at the Hendricks Center, we talk a lot about faith and work and uh, the importance of our work, that it matters to God, particularly because of the creation mandate and um, to fill and subdue. And that work is a part of how we do that. It's the majority of how we do that. And so in order to do that winsomely and as Christ-like followers, obviously we have to be concerned with relationships and doing that job well. And that's where the research that you did uh, really comes in handy because actually, I'll just let you. Can you just walk us through the research? Because both of these books, The Dear Boss and The Dear Employee, are based on some research surveys that you sent out, right? Absolutely. Okay. Can you talk us through a little bit about that survey and what themes seem to arise as you as yeah. you got the feedback? Yeah, it, it was really exciting research I did. And by the way, thanks so much for having me on the oh, program again. you're welcome. Again. Thanks for delighted, being here. Delighted to be here with you all and, and especially delighted to talk about this. I'm very passionate about this whole concept of really fusing Sunday and Monday. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, as you said, we, we so often have that uh, part of our, our life really uh, um, compartmentalized. We have our faith that we observe on Sundays, and then we have our work that we do the rest of the time, and we don't really allow the two to be integrated. So I think it's really important for us to do that. And that that really was the heart behind the book, was really understanding how can we really fuse the two together in terms of that. But yeah, in terms of the research, what we did was we went out to, we had a, a sample size of about 589 people from around the country, different socioeconomic status, different industries, different uh, regions of the country, different uh, uh, a whole bunch of different things that we had uh, to make sure we had a representative sample of of the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what was interesting is we asked two open-ended questions along with all the uh, all the um, uh, background information. Yeah, yeah the, the demographic stuff. We we looked at we asked one for those who were bosses the 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 thirty seven percent that were bosses. And then the 73% who had people report that reported to somebody, we asked them, okay, what's the one thing you wish your employees knew that they may not already know? And then what's the one thing you wish your boss knew that they might not already know? So with that, so it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't led in terms of trying to get them to respond a certain way. Mm-hmm. It was really seeing what was going to percolate. And what was interesting is that other than those who didn't respond to the survey, and those who weren't sure of their responses, really it, both. Questions really popped with four major themes, and I thought that was pretty significant. That uh, that that they both really um, gelled around four specific topics. Mm-hmm. Now, when I've looked over both of your books mm-hmm. and th- 
the a very common theme was um, frustration on both sides from mm-hmm. the boss and the employee on insignificant, or, or I'm sorry, insufficient acknowledgement or appreciation for what was being done both in the boss's role and in the employee's role and and insufficient communication. Like it, it seemed like those and all of that really is in a sense com- a type of communication. You know, I mean, communication in general and then acknowledging and appreciating as a specific type. So what communication barriers specifically present themselves in the workplace? Because that, it, it doesn't, it's not a huge surprise because we have a problem as humans communicating with one another. So it's not a surprise that that comes to the surface, you know, in the workplace. But mm-hmm. what specific situations and uh, what's your opinion on the workplace and why that just really seems to be an issue for everybody? Well, I think, um, well, first of all, you're right that the uh, the theme of appreciation, acknowledgement, I mean, really was a major thing. In fact, that one popped top the list in both. So that that was really a thing that people were most craving, and, and which I thought was really interesting. Let me just do a quick aside that that there were four major themes that popped in the research on both ends uh, for bosses as well as for employees, but pay had nothing to do with what employees were most concerned about. That was a fraction of those who responded to something other than the four major themes. But in terms of uh, communication, I, I think that so often we have this thing where we we feel like, well, they know what I'm thinking, or they know what I'm I'm, I'm concerned about, or or whatever, and we don't really take the time to say it. We we judge ourselves by our motives, but we judge other people by their actions, and yet so there's a disconnect there. So so what it goes on in our heads doesn't really come out of our mouths all mm-hmm. the time. So that's that's one problem right there, and and also the fact that we have this tendency to think in terms of one and done, that we we will do something once and think we did it. Well, when actually the whole thing about creating culture within an organization or establishing a, a personal brand, shall we say, it's a, it has to be done over and over and over and over and over and over again. So it's because in terms of culture that's created or brand, I mean, looking at it from either an employee, an employee situation or employer mm-hmm. situation, it really becomes a matter of making sure that we're doing it over and over again. And because it's a thousand little things, are gonna they're gonna create the culture or the brand that we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. And I feel, what role do you think? And this is <laughs> my husband and I just do so much premarital counseling. <laughs> so whenever I hear communication, this is the first thing I think of. And maybe it's not applicable in the workplace, but I think it might be. What role do you think expectations have? Oh. That you know, communicating expectations. I mean, particularly, I would have to um, think for the employee having had the expectations of the employer, but, you know, clearly communicated them. But did you see anything with expectations or what's your opinion on that as a... Well, I see that more just in terms of practicality. I mean, in terms of uh, the way we do things, so oftentimes it's the what we have going into the situation that ends up... Um, really creating the framing the issue that we're dealing with here. So, and how we, we come to that, uh, when we start off with a certain expectation that something's going to happen and it doesn't, then we have we have uh, unrealized expectations and such. And that, that causes friction and, and problems in terms of any kind of a work relationship, family relationship, mm-hmm. marital relationship, whatever, that expectations are, are the huge barrier that we always have to bring into the the situation, be cognizant of of what we're looking at. And would you say that 
it is the employer's role. As far as you were talking about building a brand mm-hmm. and, and building the company culture, organizational culture and ethos, is that part of building that is communicating those expectations to the employees ahead of time? Or is it the, once you get in it, you kind of, as Daryl Bach likes to say, catch the aroma, you smell the coffee, you know, that kind of thing. What do you, like, is it better to just be really clear or is it just both? Well, I really believe that to be unclear is to be unkind. And so I think that we need mm-hmm. to make sure that that is spelled out so that it's it's kind of a both and. Like for an employer, in terms of creating a culture, you would need to, first of all, be clear, say what you're expecting, and then reinforce that. So it's really a matter of... Uh, First of all, knowing in your mind, okay, what do you want to see in the culture when you see it happening, then to be able to reward it mm-hmm. um, with that individual, you know, thank you, attaboy, girl, good job, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that's the appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the part of that. Yeah. Exactly. And then beyond, but then beyond that, it's then reinforcing that in terms of everybody who's there so that it's done in front in a public setting and so that people know that when this person gets a shout out, oh, okay, then... That's what's expected. So it's first of all, it's explaining the expectations, then it's living it out. And then in the process, people will catch the aroma, though they will smell mm-hmm. the coffee because they'll realize what is what is involved because it'll they'll it'll be part of the whole culture. So that's in, in terms of the concept of creating the culture, which is definitely a top-down thing and, and then the mm-hmm. the boss having to do that. In terms of an employee, yeah. in terms of building a brand, there's gotta be some expectation in terms of okay, what do I want to what do I want to project myself to be? And then having to do that consistently. So, and, and making sure that we are not uh, allowing ourselves to go afoul of what we say, and because we can judge ourselves by our motives and not actually by our actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a thing we have to be very conscious of as well. So how do we open up the lines of communication? But how, I mean, what, is that, what does that practically look like? as far as you know a, a supervisor and an employee who are both probably a little frustrated with one another <laughs> you know and i mean I, it's it's dependent on the situation but what are what are some healthy quick ways that you would suggest for trying to open up lines of communication in the workplace particularly between the employer and the employee yeah sometimes it's really helpful just to ex- address the elephant in the room and just really come on it and say, okay, you know, I, I think that from what I understand, you, you're, you're frustrated with the situation and, and I want to be able to uh, just talk about this with you um, without, but then having to really dial it down without the emotion and then be able to understand and be able to repeat back. I mean, this is kind of standard yeah, communication, communication stuff, but nonetheless, be able to say, okay, what I'm hearing you say is this. Is that what you intend to say? And then to be able to make sure that you can be heard. That is so huge for people, for bosses and for employees, really to be able to say, okay, they get me, they understand me. And that is something that can create trust and can really create a good working relationship going forward. And a good just overall culture. Absolutely. If, if, if your employees are feeling that and to use a very millennial word, it's safe, like that they're yeah. safe, yeah, you yeah. know, then, and they're safe to bring concerns to their employers and the employers feel like, okay, you know, they're mm-hmm. receptive. My yeah. employees are receptive because I have given them this place that both of us can really talk about the hard things. Absolutely. So another theme that I felt like 
I saw arising between dear employee and dear boss, so but from the bosses and the employees, was that it seems like both sides don't really think that the other side knows how to do the work very well. <laughs> so the employees felt like their they their supervisors didn't know how to lead. The bosses feel like their employees don't appreciate the full picture and really understand what's going on. So walk us through how we navigate this. It's almost like a mutual cynicism and and skepticism toward one another. How do we walk through that and try to, again, open up that those lines of not just communication, but even appreciation for one another and making sure that everybody is doing their job well and somehow figuring out how to recognize that and acknowledge that? Yeah, it's... It- it's interesting that uh, we can get into our particular ways of thinking and get stuck there in terms of uh, the way that we've always seen the world. I mean, it's for our own self-hurting that we that we look at things a certain way, and then after that, we we get stuck in patterns sometimes, and 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 it's really not. Um, it's not something that we necessarily look to do, but it just oftentimes uh, it, 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 we actually end up knowing less about ourselves than we really think we do. Mm-hmm. So, but the whole thing with creating that, um, making sure that bosses and, and employees really realize that there is uh, another perspective here and that, um, that we're not getting lost in terms of how things are are seen, and, and so it really helps to, in terms of uh, for employees, first of all, to really acknowledge where their boss is coming from, and respect is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, uh, that may be that's that can be really hard for some people to say. Oh, you got to be kidding me! You have that's no idea. That's hard in our culture. Yeah, yeah. We don't afford respect to just about anybody. I know. And, and they feel like, well, they need to earn the respect. Well, actually, yeah. that's not what Scripture says. Scripture mm-hmm. says that you need to respect the authority over you. Uh, and and so, really, it's about respecting the office. It's not respecting the person. So even if the person, you think, may be making stupid decisions as a, as a boss, okay, well, respect the fact that this person is the boss. God placed them, that, that person, in that role, and we have to respect that. And so that really is a, is a huge thing. And then for us to be able to say, okay, I'm going to respect the office, and I'm, and I'm going to respect the decisions that are made. He said, even if I think they're stupid, I'm going to respect that. That's hard. Um, so, But that's one thing that we need to, to be able to do is allow um, – ourselves to to be respectful and and really make ourselves look in that direction um, and then what we can do is just also respect our role in the process and realize you know what I am here to implement mm-hmm. I'm not here to second guess my boss I'm not here to go um, roll my eyes you know when my boss does things I'm here I'm being paid to implement decisions that are made and if I'm cool with that then I'm going to be I'm going to be a whole lot it's going to go well with me and I'm going to be more relaxed about it I'm not going to freak out when my boss does this that or the other. So that's one thing over there. I think in terms of the the situation with um with bosses feeling like, you know, these employees they just they just don't get it. You know, they don't have a, a picture of how things look. So I think it's really important for us to have that for for employees to have that big picture and see mm-hmm. how things are all coming together. Um 
and and realize that that's helpful for everybody when employees see the big picture and and then not realize and realize how what they do really impacts everybody else. Mm-hmm. So those are some things there that I think would be helpful if we keep those in mind um, as we approach the what we do in our in our daily jobs. Mm-hmm. And going back to respect a little bit, you can even as an employee, I I agree with you wholeheartedly in in respecting the office and that scripture definitely guides us in that direction. I think there's also an element of respect that can be offered even to somebody you don't necessarily feel is doing what you would do Mm -hmm. (laughs) or doing a good job which seems to be equivalent Mm -hmm. in most people's minds as to (laughs) what what you would do is doing a good job um but i feel like there's an element of i can respect the fact that you are in this office yes but that you are a person that is having to make this decision and somebody's got to make the decision somebody's got to take the bullet and you know and so i can respect you even as a person though i would not have made that decision i can respect the fact that you're stepping up and you're making one and we'll all you know and Mm -hmm. and and then my role as a part of this team is to say okay you know we'll all do the absolute best we can to make sure that that was the best decision that could have been made (laughs) you know and so i think i think that that's a really interesting and helpful thing for us to to think through. And as far as employees um, understanding themselves as a part of the bigger picture, what can bosses specifically do to help them see that? Well, and even employees, what what can they do to really understand? What Just walk us through a little bit, if you wouldn't mind digging in on that. What does it look like to understand? I think part of it is seeing yourself as a part of the team, you know, and part of my job is to implement this element of the vision. But, you know, I think there's also, I don't know, I think there's something to understanding the whole structure of what's going on and appreciating that. And how can an employee figure that out if a boss isn't directly enlightening them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And how can, and how can a boss really help their employee see that? Well, I think, first of all, you're right. I think it's helpful for a boss to kind of lead that mm-hmm. in, in terms of, okay, and, and that often is just helping one, maybe one area, one department really understand where another one's coming from and having that kind of dialogue across the the uh, the, the chasm, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah, sometimes a hallway and a chasm can be equal in terms of the distance sometimes. But with the... Well, let's say you've got uh, sales over here and you've got accounting over here. And, you know, it's in sales like, oh, those accounting guys always doing this, that, or the other. All the accounting people, oh, those sales guys always doing this or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, really helping them understand the, the frustrations that the other has is in terms of for a sales guy, he's got to meet these different quotas or whatever, and he has to be flexible in terms of how he's providing his product or whatever. Um, and the accounting people need to make sure everything gets done in, in a set way so that we don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then for them to be able to understand the the um, the things that they have to deal with, that can really kind of open eyes. And that kind of form is very helpful. However, ultimately, we have to be willing to look past our own specific situations. Mm-hmm. And so the guys in accounting have to be willing to to appreciate where the people from uh, sales are looking at, and the people in sales have to be willing to understand and appreciate where they're where the people in accounting are looking at things. So it it's very important to be able to look past 
yourself and to be able to see that bigger picture and understand the frustrations and the the confines and the constraints that other people and other divisions in the organization have to deal with and to so, be willing to and do to, that yeah to have to be willing to do that that's so important and and so and not think that well my way is the highway or, or is it's either my way or the highway so mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think that um, that's that's really crucial, and that and that takes humility, to be able to really say, okay, I I I am willing to appreciate a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, the final theme that I kind of saw, it seems like, was generally similar with um, both bosses and employees, was as it related to their work their work ethic. Mm. So. The employees feel demoralized that their hard work is kind of overlooked and pointless and nobody's trying to motivate them, nobody's worried about them as a person, you know, that kind of theme. And the bosses feel that their employees don't work hard enough <laughs> and they don't take ownership of their place on the team. And so but and so both of them kind of seem to be around this concept of the work ethic. How do we how do we develop mutually fulfilling Work ethics and and I, I guess application and work like just what we do. How do we how do we develop that so that bosses feel their employees are on board and employees feel seen? Yeah, I, I think one thing a boss can really do well, uh, or it's important for a boss to do well, is really set that kind of tone in terms of the morale of the organization. And and they're really, it, it's helpful for them to really, first of all, set vision. Okay, this is where we're going. Um, you know, help instill a sense of purpose. Okay, this is this is why we're doing it. Um, and then really give them a sense of, okay, here are the values that need to be done, they need to be put in place in terms of what we do. And so how we do things is very important as well. But also, making sure that everybody realizes that they need to be um, they need to be performing. There's a certain expectation that everybody has got to has has to perform in their specific role, and then also instill them to them that everybody else is expected to do that as well. Because sometimes we can get in this attitude of, well, I'm pulling my share, but nobody else is, and so there has to be that perspective um, instilled within the team that okay, I can rely on everybody else. So I'm able to perform and I'm able to depend on everybody else and everyone else is accountable as well. So mm-hmm. that's important to, to put forward. And then in terms of the, uh, the, for employees to really realize that they need to, they need to be digging down into this and making sure that they're doing what they should be doing. Um, and so that there's, it is, uh, it is, it's important for everybody to kind of see what they, how they need to be contributing and they need to be um, part of helping that because uh, everybody is able to contribute to morale at the organization. It's not just management's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody is able to come and see, okay, I can do this. I can, I can improve the morale of the organization by, by being competent in what I do. I mean, just uh, – Tim Keller says it so well about the ministry of competence. I mean, and so the best way I can serve God in my position, and the best way I can serve my fellow man and what I do is by doing it with excellence. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps create a culture of appreciation, helps create uh, that whole sense that um, of, of instilling morale, and then uh, really helping the expectations really rise in terms of the or- what the organization can do together. And it cuts back on potential <laughs> problems with communication and that yeah. kind of thing yeah. because you don't have, you know, 
resentment building up and and that kind of thing because everybody is genuinely trying as hard as they can you know and that is seen by all you know colleagues and that kind of thing this episode is brought to you by the truce podcast i'm sure you've been there you're at an event a dinner a small group and someone says something like if you're a christian you have to vote republican huh that raises an interesting question How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. So... With all of these themes that kind of arose in this research survey, you uh, suggested two paradigm shifts: mm-hmm. one for the one for the bosses and one for the employees. Can you walk us through what the shift, what par- what the, does the paradigm shift for the supervisor look like in light of all of this? Yeah, in terms of what a boss really needs to know, I mean, in terms of what their employees wish they know is is first of all. Uh, developing that sense of of um, tenderness. Now, that's a strange word to use in a business context, but it really deals so with maybe the whole. It shouldn't be exactly, exactly. <laughs> it just I mean, hasn't been. I mean, that's been part of the problem. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that we have this whole concept um, within the business world that uh, it's doggy dog, or you know, hey, it's just business. You know, and I, I, that term really bothers me because it it, re- it really reduces the the power that in, that business has. The ability it has to really affect people's lives for good, um, and and so the whole kind the whole concept of tenderness is so important because really what it is is treating other people the way we'd want them to treat us. Wow, where have we heard that before? Um, I know Jesus said that two thousand years ago, uh, but it really hasn't taken root within a business context. Can I pause you real quick? Would you say that that's partly because of this sacred-secular divide that has been perpetuated? You know, that we say, well, it's just business, and you can compartmentalize it, when in reality, life is holistic, and no, it's not, and it never has been. It's always always been personal and spiritual and professional, and all of those things are always going on at the same time. Sorry, I didn't want to cut into you, but... But I think it goes back to what we were talking about as far as, you know, just the importance of this. And that's where it comes from, where it stems from, is a lack of appreciation for the holistic nature of what work is supposed to be. Absolutely. And the fact that we really need to be integrating the Sunday and Monday and Mm -hmm. making sure that everything comes together so that we are living what we say we believe Mm 24-7 and not just, you know, putting it on the side to live it on Sundays. so, so that is important to really make sure we are instilling that concept of, t- of tenderness. What does tenderness look like from a boss? You know, because we hear that and in the midst of the Me Too culture and everything like that. And I'm, I don't, I'm not taking it too, but, but what does that practically look like? What would you like suggest? What do you tell people in your consulting? You know, what does a, what does a tender boss look like? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first of all, it's somebody who's really going to be willing to listen. I mean, I think that when we go into a situation and we think that we know everything, uh, we don't. Uh, I, I think many bosses get the sense that, well, even if I don't know what my employees specifically are doing, I, uh, I have to pretend like I do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not helpful. But instead, to be able to say, "Hey, can you can you coach me on what you do or how you do that?" I mean, this is it's a vulnerable place to be. But actually, the employees already know that they already know that the boss doesn't know how to how to do what they do. So uh, they we should at least you know acknowledge the element in the room. And and so the fact that somebody is can be willing to say that really is going to increase the trust that that everybody has in them. But so really being able to uh, provide that kind of appreciation and and perspective it, it really helps to diffuse a situation and helps realize that, you know we're all human and mm-hmm. I, I think that really can help people uh, organizations really work a lot better that way as well mm-hmm. so what else of it so tenderness is one element of the paradigm shift for the boss what what other elements in the shift do we need to be aware of yeah the whole abs the whole idea of team is important um, that really building the morale of the organization and making sure that everybody is able to seize themselves as part of the team and then being willing to perform as part of the team uh, that's really important as well um, and then moving into the concept of of trust is huge uh, because there is a perception oftentimes that in management mm-hmm. is incompetent and not able to to really lead the organization, but it's important to, to create that trust so that everybody realizes, okay, I can trust the decisions that management makes, um, and and so that's really important. But then finally, uh, the whole idea of transparency and creating that situation where we're able to share information freely and also make sure that we're taking time to listen as well. Those are the four concepts. I mean, the four, the really the paradigm shift that needs to be made by a boss is to go to move into uh, situation of tenderness and team and trust and transparency. Mm-hmm. I thought transparency was an interesting one in that, you know, I mean, there are some meetings people can't be in on, you know, and so the whole team, particularly in, in, in really in any kind of organization, unless it's some kind of, you know, startup where everybody's just doing it together, it, it seems like in most situations there are there is going to be a little bit of a hierarchy. There is going to be levels of knowledge that, you know, some people just don't even know anything about this particular situation. But the idea that as an employer, I do my best to give you all of the information possible, you know, that that you can have. And, and I think that particularly helps people see their their place in the big picture. It helps them see the big picture in general, you know, um, what what other elements of transparency are there? Because I think that that was just an interesting one. And we don't, because I think oftentimes you think of the the employer being the one who just kind of knows all and you, you tell, I tell you what to do and you do it because I told you what to do and that's your role, you know, and that, that might not be the healthiest ethos. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Because uh, but you're so right uh, in terms of sharing that kind of information. It, it um, none of these things really can be separated from everything else. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I I define these as four separate things, well, but yeah, really yeah, they all they work together. Blend together. Yes. Uh, but really when you're sharing that kind of information saying, "Okay, here's how 
here's how we're performing. Here's how here's how everything is right now, or things are things are tight right now. Things are difficult. Whatever whatever the information can be, it's important to give that big picture in terms of okay, and then be able to break it down to say okay, this is how it impacts you, and this is how what you do impacts this. Being able to break down long term goals into short-term actions helps people see that kind of bigger picture and then sharing the, the being transparent in terms of where things are at creates that kind of team environment where people realize okay I have a what I do really matters and and therefore I can be part of this I can really be helping to to improve the situation or to or to really be performing at the level that needs to be done mm-hmm. and would you also say transparency would include like a, a personal element to the employer. So the the supervisor being willing to be transparent about a little bit about who they are and, you know, and, and trying to not necessarily be friends, but definitely be tender and congenial. Is that a part of transparency as well? Or it, is that just in a different category? Yeah, it, it, it definitely can be. I mean, because it humanizes the element there in a, in a and so then you can see the boss really as a as a person and not just mm-hmm. as a as a boss. And so as a role even. Yeah. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's a matter that uh, in terms of building transparency, it's not just one way. The the in terms yeah, of just communicating true. information, the boss should be also be willing to say, I'm gonna take time to understand you in terms of where you're coming from hmm. and then and, and be willing to listen. Those things are huge in terms of creating that kind of um, communication or transparency, it, because anything that's transparent uh, really is not just about information or light or whatever flowing in one direction, it flows both ways. So that's what's key is really mm-hmm. being able to create that kind of environment where where the information like light can move freely. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's those are the major elements of the paradigm shift for the employer mm-hmm. what are what does the paradigm shift for the employee look like based on what the bosses have said <laughs> yeah yeah uh, in terms of that uh, it's a uh, the first one was like the four t's you know mm-hmm. but this one is a, is an acronym uh for the um, what bosses want their employees to know is the acronym of hope and and, and hope really is uh starts off with honoring we know we talked about that earlier Mm -hmm. uh really about how we need to be honoring yes yes we need to be honoring and respecting those who are in authority over us so that that's a a paradigm shift uh to make sure that we are speaking appropriately about our boss we're thinking appropriately about our boss we're acting right in terms of how our interactions are with the boss and then uh the, the second one is about being open it's being feeling being fully communicating and not uh because there are certain things that uh, a boss may not necessarily know that needs to be shared from an employee level and making sure they're willing to take that time and take that effort to really be able to, to share that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, third is is perceiving. It's uh, being perceptive. Um, and that is really being able to see the big picture and see how they fit in that and then making sure that what they are doing what needs to be done to to have a bigger picture mindset. And then finally, it's, it's the E is engaged, and so that they are they're they're taking ownership of the situation. They are are they are fully dedicated to what they do, and and they want to make sure that they are are uh, fully involved as to the level they can be. So these are incredibly helpful, you know. And and I think I mean even 
as a supervisor and a employee, I hear these things and I think, ooh, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I love the idea and I think that there are, you know, things in there that you think, man, yeah, like that makes sense and that should be something that I am attempting to do and trying to be faithful in. Um, what barriers, but, but the reality is it doesn't, it doesn't happen necessarily, you know, and it's very difficult. What, what are the barriers you think that keep this from actually filtering into the workplace? I mean, apart from sin, well, I think, <laughs> or how does sin manifest itself yeah, so that I, this doesn't happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think really a lot of it comes down to a pride uh, and hmm. lack of humility in, in the boss's role as well as employee's role um, and not wanting to have to um, not wanting to have to acknowledge or honor somebody else in that role and and because of its our own insecurities um, as a as a person as a as a boss uh, and not wanting to to do that but when we're able to be comfortable in our own skin and to be able to say you know what I'm 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 cool enough with who I am that I'm able to honor you I'm it, it, it's a two-way street in terms of of honoring then things can start to change when we are willing to put aside um, the pride that we that that's that is uh, can sneak inside that's huge when we're able to be humble and and have that kind of perspective that that I am willing to serve uh, an employee or an employee is willing to submit to an employer those are huge things when we're able to and it, it's a hard thing on both context it's it's very hard for both to be able to do that but it's it's imperative that we do that otherwise we're not going to have a full experience as as living our faith in this world and we're also not going to be able to be living our our full potential in the workplace either mm -hmm. and that service seems to be a huge thing that comes up in the faith and work conversation in general is part of our role as Christians in recognizing and integrating Sunday and Monday and all of that is recognizing that our work is a place of service just as much as a work project at, you know, a refugee like home on the weekend. You know, like Absolutely. It, it is just as much service. And so conducting our in humility being one of the key characteristics of Christians, and it also has to show up in the workplace, you know, and putting putting aside not only our pride, but our own agenda. Oh, yeah. And, and what we're trying to accomplish, you know, and all of that, and saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here to make this happen or provide this service or, you know, whatever your particular actual work is you know it's i really like that i like that humility is probably at the core of a lot of these issues <laughs> yeah and, and i think what's really interesting in the whole context of work is that people may try to over spiritualize work or maybe i should say under spiritualize work in terms of they're not fully appreciating the fact that work is a spiritual endeavor hmm. um, I, one example i like to talk about from scripture is the fact that noah built a boat there's not anything necessarily spiritual about building a boat, okay? However, that was that building that boat was something that was so important in terms of of God's 
picture, God's story for mankind. So we may be thinking about what we do as, as, as relatively unspiritual, and yet the very things we do can be incredibly important in God's story. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that that, Mo, that, uh, that Noah had some real confusion going on in terms of, why am I building this boat? I mean, I, even if he understood that the earth was going to be flooded with water and he was going to be uh, the only – that his family was going to be the only ones to escape, maybe he had some motivation in that regard. But at the same time, though, to have the faith to be able to believe that is, is important. But nonetheless, even if we do have the big picture in our, in our workplace – which hopefully we do, that we're able to see that. Nonetheless, it's our day-to-day actions that are going to be very important in terms of transforming transforming the action into something spiritual. It's that attitude that we bring to it when we say, I am serving, I am, I am moving in my ministry of competence, I am performing this with excellence in a way that then we can really show God and, and His uh, involvement in our lives through what we do every day. Mm-hmm. And so that we can quite literally be the hands and feet of the Lord providing for his people. You know, the Absolutely. Economics and yeah. production and that kind of thing is how we get our food. It's how we stay warm. It's how we yep. have homes. You know, it really is part of God's design for just straight up providing for us Absolutely. you know and i think we lose sight of that fact and we think oh well it's not that important or it's not that spiritual but really like you're you're providing for people you know and that's where a lot of the service element comes from and in addition to serving one another in the midst of the workplace by you know being cognizant of all of these dynamics that we've been talking about absolutely so is it fair so Trying to think through how to make this happen <laughs> in a workplace. <laughs> I'm, I'm very practical when it comes to that. Um, how would you suggest people conduct themselves? Obviously with humility, like we just spoke. If they, if let's say if I as an employer don't, or I'm sorry, if I am, if I as an employee do not see my employer offering me tenderness, a team, trust, and transparency. Is it my, it, is there a place, is it fair at any point to, to ask for that, to, to confront that employer and say, hey, I would really, you know, I think that this would be a helpful thing. Or is it more important for me to just focus on myself as an employee and focus on honoring open communication, you know, that paradigm, what would your opinion be? Well, I think that uh, we as people uh, can often get focused on, well, you're not doing what you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing, so I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, that that is not what we're called to do. We're not supposed to say, well, if if you do your thing, then I'm going to do my thing. No, it's we, we have to go at it with the perspective of, I am responsible for my own actions. I need to play the part that I'm supposed to play. And then once we we do that, then we can start talking to the employer about this, that, or the other. What I think is really dangerous is if we go to the employer and say, well, 
you're not doing that. You're not being tender. You're not creating a good team. And and then for then the employer to say, and what exactly are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. it, I, that that puts us in a real uh, problem if if we're pointing out, if we're looking at, if we're uh, pointing at the speck in our our boss's eye and not willing to take the plank out of our own eye. That causes friction, and that is not that's not a good witness. That's not showing how God is using us in the environment if we're quick to point out other people's faults. Instead, we should focus on our situation. Then, once we get our situation better and we're we're focusing on uh, we're being honoring, we're being open, we're we're being perceptive, we're being engaged in what we do. At that point, then we can start a dialogue because then, what we say will be so much more appreciated, mm-hmm. and and the the boss, I think, will be more receptive to what we say <laughs> because you actually have a foundation from it, which to speak. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they, you would hopefully at that point be a valued employee. Yes, and they would exactly. say, "Fair enough. I right. will see what I can do." You know, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. So, just one last question: it, Are there any resources you would suggest? Obviously, your books have flesh this out in greater depth. But are there any other resources for workplace relationships and, you know, between particularly between bosses and employees, but just helping build in a like a healthy workplace ethos? Are there any resources you would point to? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of books that I cited frequently in each of my mm-hmm. uh, my books. Uh, one is actually. Uh, well, before I give you the name, let me first say that I believe that all truth is God's truth, and that even if it's uh, it's not even if God is not uh, specifically cited in the work, it doesn't mean that what's being said is not truth, um, and and comports with Scripture. Uh, but having said that, I believe that the book Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey is a really good read, um, and, and uh, regardless of of uh, anyone's spiritual perspective, I think that that is a good book in terms of how can the organization be. Uh, be made better from a management perspective. Also, in terms of how we can improve ourselves, in terms of being a uh, an employee, I think it's uh, very good to look at uh, "Outgrow Your Space at Work" by Rick Witted. Those are that's a really okay. good work read as well. So, outgrow your space at work. Yeah. Okay. So I think that those are from from a boss's perspective and an employee's perspective. I think both of those works are are really uh, very good in terms of speaking to each situation. Okay. Okay, so basically what I'm hearing is both parties feel tension. Yeah. <laughs> both employees and supervisors feel tension. Both sides need clear communication. You know, the bosses have their T's that they need to offer. You know, the tenderness, team, trust, transparency, and the, and the employees need um, to offer hope, open communication, um, understanding their role as a whole in the organization and being engaged and this will all make us more effective workers for the kingdom and you know in, in all the ways that we've talked about as far as blessing the world and serving and that kind of thing so i just want to thank you so much for being with us and for talking us through all of this and hopefully our workplaces will be a little bit healthier because of it <laughs> hopefully lord willing and i want to thank you for joining us on the table if you have a topic you'd like us to consider in the future, please email us at thetable at dts.edu. Again, that's thetable at dts.edu. And be sure to join us next time as we discuss issues of God and culture. 
Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.